Hey everyone, my name is Justin Wilson and welcome to The Political Paradox, a political podcast show where the goal is to cut through all of the propaganda and disinformation that we so often see and get straight to providing you the facts of the matter and following that up with various different opinions on these topics. Our panel has different political affiliations and backgrounds, so these conversations will get interesting, but I wanted this podcast to represent a variety of different opinions, not just mine. So thank you again for listening, and let's get started. Good evening. My name is Justin Wilson. Welcome to The Political Paradox. It is Thursday evening, January 14th. And tonight I have Madison. Hey, Madison, how you doing? Good. Nice to be back, guys. Yeah. Happy New Year, Madison. You have a good New Year? I sure did. Ready to get back to it. Yeah, <laughs> certainly a lot to get back to. And we also have a new participant on the podcast. We have Juan with us. Hey, Juan. Hey, everybody. So happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me on. All right. Awesome. So I know that you guys didn't get to participate in the first part of uh, this two-part episode for our return. So uh, I want to talk about what we talked about on the previous episode a little bit with you guys. Madison, I mean, we we missed a lot. So I guess firstly, we'll start with the presidential race. Are you surprised that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won? Or were you expecting them to? What do you think? I was certainly on the edge of my seat as the results rolled in. Um, I'm very pleasantly surprised that he was able to win. I guess I thought all along he would win, but I just didn't want to get my hopes up, I guess. So I'm super happy he won or that they won. Very proud of Stacey Abrams and the work she did in Georgia to flip the state. Um, That was the best part for me, I think, being from Georgia, was to see that change really is happening there. Yeah, that's a good point. I She really did a lot of good work. Also, Lindsey Brown from Black Lives Matter. The yes. two, yeah, they really did a lot of great work. You know, they did the work that nobody else wanted to, to do. Of a lot of wonderful organizers. Um, I guess just most notably, those are the two that come to mind. But there are many great organizers out there that we owe our thanks to. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that point. Really great work with those. A lot of people did great work, but those two most notably. Juan, what do you think? Uh, were you expecting a Biden-Harris win, or were you kind of thinking it was maybe going to go to Trump again? I was praying for a Biden-Harris win, I will say. Um, I, I can say I'm surprised because of everything that we've seen over the last four years. I, I think the American people had quite had enough, really. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I, I think that the the choice that we had was really, if I may say so, between decency and indecency. Um, just everything we've seen over the last four years from um, the Trump administration and Trump himself um, has just been absolutely insane, in my opinion. Um, it's deplorable. Deplorable, exactly. I think that's the word for it. And and it's truly un-American what, where we've seen this administration go to. So I, I really wasn't surprised. I am overjoyed that um, Biden and Harris won. Um, and now I, I look forward to the next four years. Hopefully we can give them a chance and we will see things start to turn around in our country. Um, you know, I, I'm an immigrant to this country, so seeing what what this country has become over the last four years was was quite shocking to me. And and I'm glad that that long night is over, and now we can start to see the dawn of, of a new administration. Yeah. I really could not agree more. I'm very saddened by the things that took place over the last four years. And honestly, I think it was pretty upsetting that the race was so close because after I can't believe so many American people watched the past four years play out and said, I want four more years of that. I agree. So I think we have a lot of work to do moving forward to overcome um, what has happened throughout the past four years. I agree. Also, Madison, what do you think about the two Senate races in Georgia? I think that I am so thrilled 
I requested my absentee ballot the day that it became available to vote for Warnock and Ossoff. I'm so happy. I think that that was truly made possible by Trump's heinous actions after the election. Like, I think once the election was over and the results came in and he continuously made false accusations of voter fraud and filed lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit that was shot down, investigation after investigation that found absolutely no regularities. I think that that is really what put the cherry on top of the cake for people to show up at the polls in Georgia and vote for Ossoff and Warnock. And in addition, I think Mitch McConnell's inability to push through on an additional stimulus check People knew that even if they weren't crazy about Warnock or Ossoff, they had to vote for both of them in order to get Mitch McConnell out of the way. That's a good point. You know, I was actually thinking about this the other night. And if you look at nationwide with the congressional races, Trump lost and he lost by millions of votes. And I think in a way, a lot of Republicans rebuked Trump for being Trump. But if you go and you look at the rest of the races throughout the country, you know, Republicans actually gain seats in the House. So it's not like Republican ideals aren't popular in sections of the country. I think that mostly with this election, what we saw was a rebuke of Trump and only ever so slightly, because another point you mentioned, it was it was closer than polling projected it to be. And it was closer than what I had hoped it to be. And ultimately, I think with the runoffs after Trump was harassing the governor and trying to intimidate the the Georgia election people, I think, you know, when you tell your electorate, uh, your party's electorate, that their vote's not going to count because uh, the system, the Democrats have the system rigged in a state that Trump was particularly targeting Georgia. uh, You know, to me, it's no surprise that Democrats were actually able to turn out to, to out uh, to outvote the Republicans. But the only way that makes sense, because I don't even I don't remember when the last time Georgia had two Democratic senators or even one Democrat senator makes sense to me is that even though in other congressional races throughout the country, you know, Republicans made grounds in the House. But you had Trump spouting these election lies for two months after, uh, before the runoff race. So then look what happened. Juan, what do you think? Well, I, I I agree. And and I think we have seen that the politics of hate do not work. That's what we saw for the last four years. If you look at the Georgia runoff and specifically, I was looking at, at voter turnout and exit polling. And, you know, it was very interesting because I, I was focusing on Latino and African-American voters in specific. I'm a Latino myself, so... Um, and it was very interesting because these groups overwhelmingly voted for the Democrats, you know, and, and I think turnout was high among all of these groups. And it was very interesting to me because you saw in the African-American polling, for example, you saw that a greater number of African-American women were voting for the Democratic candidates, whereas the men were voting predominantly Democrat, but there was less voting for the Democratic candidates. Some of them did vote for the Republicans, uh, Purdue in, in particular. And it was very interesting because it, it sort of is a microcosm of what we've been hearing from the Trump administration and Trump in particular for the last four years. You know, we've been hearing things about minorities. We've been hearing disparaging things about women. It was just, it was very interesting to look at that and to see who actually turned out to vote in Georgia, which has traditionally been a Republican stronghold. I mean, within my lifetime, I mean, maybe when I was a young kid, I I don't ever remember Georgia being a, a Democratic bastion. Um, it, it has always voted Republican. Oh, definitely. So I, I think that had a lot to do with it. And also, I think McConnell's, you know, 11th hour um, decision to to oppose the, the stimulus bill and and all the things that happened there, I think were, were very telling of, of sort of the, the fragmentation of, of the Republican Party near the end here. Um, and I think people saw that and I think people read the writing on the wall and, and went to the polls and voted. 
Yes, I, I have a particular story that kind of resonates with what you were saying, Justin. Um, I know someone who um, considers themselves a Republican and has been very, very active on social media, um, sharing information in regards to the Save the Children movement um, and child sex trafficking and who, you know, just is a very uh, pro-Republican on their social media. And um, I was very, very surprised to see this individual share a post the other day saying that voter fraud was real because someone had falsely registered them to vote. Not that they had cast a vote on their behalf, but that someone unknowingly registered them to vote. And I found this very interesting because it was right before the Georgia Senate runoff. And so that meant that, that this, this individual who had been very pro-Republican on their social media, you know, throughout the, the months and weeks leading up to the election, did not vote for <laughs> Donald Trump. And I just thought to myself, this just seems so counterintuitive. You spent so much time and energy advocating for your candidate, but you didn't vote for him or for anyone. And I, yeah. I think that's really a reflection of how Donald Trump instilled such doubt in their minds that they genuinely felt there was even no purpose to go vote because it would just be rigged. And that is how he sabotaged, I think, it for himself and, and, and also for Loeffler and Purdue. Yeah, because honestly, I thought that, you know, at best, Democrats would win one of the two races. I did not expect Democrats to win both races. And in fact, even even Joe Biden, his team did not expect for Democrats to win both because he actually started crafting plans, economic relief, expecting that Republicans were still going to have a Senate majority. I'm just trying to connect the dots. And again, I really feel like Republicans in the country Majority, as we know, majority voted for Trump and, of course, Republican congressional candidates down their ballot. But a lot of Republicans, more than what people may realize, actually went to the ballots and they voted for Biden or they may maybe have voted third party. Um, but then they still voted Republican for down ballot races like their congressional races. Yes. So it just it I that's the only thing that makes sense to me is how both Democrat candidates won both seats in Georgia because of all all of the you know all the work that trump's been doing for democrats basically <laughs> right. trying to put doubt and and the republican electorate and that's just what's so that that goes to my point about how trump is so reckless and just so self and he only cares about himself he does not care about the republican party he does not care about the gop he cares about himself yes exactly he cares about he does not care because let me ask you something. If your party was on the verge of losing majority in a chamber of Congress and you know what you're doing is doing damage to that race. You would stop. You would right. stop. At the very least, he should have kept quiet. Yes. Like, at the very least, he could have just stopped with the accusations of voter fraud. But he just could not. I mean, he just literally couldn't. No matter how many times his lawsuits got denied. He just kept on and on and on until he literally incited a mob of his crazy conspiracy theorists to attack the Capitol. That's a good segue. Yeah. So what do you think about that, Madison? I think that that was the craziest birthday I've ever had. Um, <laughs> yeah, that happened on your birthday. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, it kind of overshadowed me. But, you know, I'll let it ride this one time. Yeah, just this one time. Hopefully <laughs> we'll never have another insurrection during the certification of votes at the Capitol on your birthday. I mean, I said the Capricorn energy, it was just bursting at the seams. It was literally too much. I mean, it was it was horrible. Like I was I was I, I had to leave work early, even though I work from home. Like I just I couldn't focus on my work. I, I was at work the entire time, but I was literally sick to my stomach the entire time I was at work. And I, I really was watching the news on my phone. Um, just to see what was going on. Because you didn't know at the beginning of that that insurrection, I think we can call it, you didn't know what was going to happen. No. So it, was, it, was very, it was a very sad day. Um, it was absolutely sickening. Um, I'm a student of history, and I can tell you the Capitol has not been assaulted 
in any way since 1814. And that was by a foreign power, the British back then. So to see Americans literally assaulting the, the seat of government was absolutely shocking to me. And, and I, I mentioned this, but I, I'm an immigrant and I'm from Cuba. And, you know, we grew up, you know, I, I grew up with stories of the Cuban revolution and how, you know, they took power there. And I can tell you the closest to a Cuban style revolution that we have come in this nation in, in my entire life was on the 6th of January. Um, and hence why I was sick to my stomach, because that that is unforeseen in this country. It has never happened before, um, not by by our own people. And unfortunately, I, I truly believe that they were incited by the president and his rhetoric and the rhetoric, the rhetoric of those who support him. I mean, in large part by some lawmakers, to be honest with you. So it, it's just very, it's a very sad occurrence. And I hope we learn from this. I hope that there are repercussions for people that were involved in this. I think that there need to be, if, if we're gonna move on as a nation and as a democratic nation and, and be able to surpass this period in our history. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was horrible. I mean, to paint a picture for you, uh, I was at my desk working and I had CNN running from my phone because I was already watching CNN because I wanted to watch the objections from Ted Cruz and Josh Halley during the certification of votes. So I already had CNN on and I was, you know, I was expecting that to be the, the most outrageous part of my day, but they kept panning the outside and, and I, I saw those people and I'm like, they were probably within 25 feet of the, of the entryway doors. I'm like, why are they so close anyway? Like that's where the barrier was set. And then I'm watching and it's like, they're, they're just getting more and more violent. I was just getting more and more anxious over here. At the same time, I kept watching inside the chambers of Congress. At this point, there had already been uh, excuse me, objections certifying Arizona's electors. So the two chambers already split up. Then I saw it was on Twitter, actually. It was video of people inside of, of, the, of the mob. And I was like, no way this is real. I mean, they make this no way they can get inside. I mean, this, this has to be like, you know, somebody, a, a Twitter joke or, you know, somebody just like this can't be real. Uh, but then I kept seeing more and more tweets from reporters. And I was just I was in utter disbelief. I was like, how how did they get inside? And then I saw the photos uh, and, and I, the videos on <clears throat> social media. Actually, Twitter was putting out. I was getting news faster on Twitter, and this is often the case, than I was watching CNN Live. And I saw them in the chambers of Congress. They were, I mean, I'm sure everybody already has seen the photos, but I was just in utter disbelief. I didn't know how this could have happened. And I still don't know how that could happen. When, think about it. That day, we had all of Congress there. And then we had the incoming vice president and we had the outgoing vice president. The only thing that we were missing were the president and the incoming president and a couple of cabinet members. And that would have been very similar to a state of the union. So security wise, I still don't understand how they were able to breach and get inside the building. And I'm looking forward to what the investigations find out because there's a real, there's a real issue with how those people got in because security again we were a few people short of a state of the union address so security Absolutely. was se severely lacking that day i mean it was to be honest with you it was very close to a coup d'etat yeah every everybody who was important in government was there save for <clears throat> donald trump and a few other people you just stated how could they have gotten into the actual building and and done so much I damage. Found that really you disturbing know, as well I, I don't know and to me, like, rather than conspiracy theories, to me, it just seems like neglect. Like, I feel like they just did not take the warning signs seriously. Because these people are white, I just don't think they genuinely felt concern until it was just too late. And then they were like, oh, wow, they weren't kidding. Like, they were serious. They're, like, actually storming the Capitol. That wasn't just, like, a hashtag. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really disturbing. It's very and, disturbing. And well, and can I add something? I, ju I just read an article on, on CNN, actually. I, I love CNN. 
but I just read an article and it, it was outlining sort of the, the, the repercussions and what, what's come after the, the, you know, the, the assault on the Capitol. And it was something very interesting because it had a quote from, from U.S. intelligence services. And it said that, you know, Russian meddling in the 2016 ele election, it was sort of their victory that, that our capital got assaulted because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to cast doubt on our democratic process. And, and this came through CNN, but it, it was a quote from, from somebody in intelligence here in the U.S., and so, and it's very interesting because if you look back at it, you know, from the beginning, that's something that they, they wanted us to go through as a country. You know, this is a major victory for our enemies. Over yes, they're like licking the, their the of our government. They're like these yeah. literal mm -hmm. inbreeds just walked right up in the Capitol. We're, we're preparing, you know, it makes us look so weak. Yeah. It's very sad. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's even sadder that we have people in our government who are making excuses for it or and who you know, are not, more, not giving it the who proper... are more upset that mm -hmm. they are being asked to walk through a metal detector than they are that our capital was literally stormed Absolutely. by domestic terrorists. Absolutely. Yep. If if you're listening and you and you think that Putin and Kim Jong Un, you, if you think that they weren't watching and enjoying what they were seeing, then you you're mistaken. Because and that leads me to my next point. So we know what happened that day. So let me ask you this, guys. As we know, yesterday Donald Trump was officially uh, impeached by the House of Representatives on a single count of incitement of insurrection with a vote of 232 to 197. This is the most serious charge ever lodged against a sitting president, and it makes Donald Trump the first president in history to ever actually be impeached twice. Something else to note, too, is that uh, this is the most bipartisan impeachment in history, with 10 Republicans voting to impeach the president uh, alongside all House Democrats. So, Madison, let me ask you this. Do you think that Democrats rightfully charged him with incitement? of insurrection. Absolutely. As someone who has studied rhetoric in school and recently published an essay that I wrote about Donald Trump's rhetoric, I very much believe that he absolutely knew what he was doing. He is not stupid. He did not, you know, he very carefully crafted his words in such a way that left a certain sense of ambiguity to it that would resonate with those right-wing extremists. And it, you know, he kept telling them, we have to fight, we have to defend our democracy, we have to do everything within our power. I mean, he was literally telling these people to get ready to fight, but then he, you know, just because he didn't specifically say, storm the Capitol does not mean that he did not incite this. I absolutely be believe that they were 100% justified in the charges they gave him. And I believe that it is very important that they convict him so that he will never be able to run for office again. And so that they can set the precedent that this is not acceptable. Yeah. He, listen, he mm -hmm. held that rally earlier. It was just a couple hours before Congress went in session to actually certify the votes. He held the rally down the street from the Capitol. He did it on that same day with just an hour or two before they started certifying the votes. He did that on purpose. And then he directed them at the end of the rally. He said, and I'm we're going to march to the Capitol. And I'm going to be right there beside beside you, which that was a lie. But that's what he said. Exactly. And he said, um, we're never I mean, this is a so he pointed them in that direction. I mean, he's like literally telling, he is their leader. You know, they idolize him. They, he is their leader and he is commanding them. He absolutely incited this. And I mean, I can't believe anyone can say otherwise. Like, it's absolutely just ridiculous if you cannot acknowledge that. It was like, to use a, a common metaphor, it was like he lit the fire after he lost the election. And then that day on January 6th, he just he just threw gas on the fire. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it was a fire. I mean, that but he this has been burning for a long time. He has made references to the QAnon theories. He he makes those people feel seen. They are a fringe community, and he has brought them to life and helped them expand and and spread misinformation. I mean, he has waged a war on democracy. Even back in 2016, even when he won, he said that there was voter fraud because his ego couldn't take that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote and she won almost three million more votes than he did. And he said that there was voter fraud even back then, even though he won the Electoral College, which, of course, wins the presidency. So he just has a long history of this. With all the accusations of voter fraud, None of the Republicans were concerned about any of their elected officials who were were elected via the same ballots. You know, they weren't contending any of the Republicans. It's a double Like, they're just full of malarkey. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, so every other Republican who won their race from the 2020 general election, we're not going to check into that. It's just we're only going to, you know, check the Republican that lost Donald Trump? Well, I think this country has really become a country of double standards, especially under this administration. You know, you, you say something, but then you do something else. And, and it, it's very sad because th- that's what we've become as, as, as a, a, an electorate. You know, sometimes we don't educate ourselves enough or, or whatnot. And that's why these conspiracy theories and these, you know, outrageous, really outrageous claims have and, gotten and wind. People, they you know, if, surround themselves with these information ecosystems. It's like an echo chamber, you know, and it, everyone they follow right. shares information and believes in these same set of conspiracy theories. So they get this false notion that, that everyone knows about it. Everyone knows the government's lying. Everyone believes this conspiracy, you know? And they just, it's constantly mm-hmm. reinforced and the belief becomes so deeply embedded inside of them that they don't even realize how absurd it is. Yeah, they don't realize how absurd it is. And then they also, they don't, just because everybody else in your in your social group and because your candidate Donald Trump is saying it doesn't automatically make it true or Breitbart.com or the Federalist.org or .com or whatever. Like those yeah, are just not because you read it on parlor or some Reddit sub thread does not make it true either. Right. It's well in, in Spanish, we have a saying and, and I'm going to translate it as best I can into English. And it basically says, tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. You know, and this is very true. And I remember thinking of this while, you know, when I saw the video of Donald Trump speaking at the rally on the 6th in Washington, I remember thinking of that. Tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. You know, sort of birds of a feather flock yes. together. Sort of show thing. me your friends, you I'll know, show you your future. Let there, absolutely. And let there be no mistake that these people who attacked the Capitol were extremists. But unfortunately, the, the Republican Party as a whole has gotten hijacked by these people. You know, not all Republicans agree with them, but it's their way of the highway nowadays. And, and it's, it's very sad that we've come and to that really as a country. And it's really unfortunate for the, the conservatives out there who do have good moral character and who have, you know, good intentions and they're being tainted by these extremists, white supremacists and literal domestic terrorists. Yeah, I, I, I know many Republicans who are of good morals, are of good ethics, and they're really upset that Donald Trump is currently the leader of their party. And that's why I've been saying as of late, it, the Republican Party is fracturing. And, you know, you have the Trump voters who are Republicans who voted for him because they feel he's the better of two options, which that's fine. Or, you know, you have this this separate group of people who just feel like, Trump is the only thing that can fix American government and the American government doesn't like him. And, you know, the media and Democrats have been out to get Trump because we because Trump is somehow going to drain the swamp when really just not true. How quickly the the group of supporters at the Capitol turned on Mike Pence and said they literally wanted to hang him by a noose that they physically built and displayed at this monstrosity. 
you know? And it's like, Pence has been so mm-hmm. loyal to Donald Trump throughout all of his madness. And because he literally, I mean, there was nothing he could do when it came to the certification of those votes. And literally just because he did his job, no. mm-hmm. they turned on him and said they wanted to murder him. I mean, that's, well, that's, because that's Trump turned on him. That's vicious. Well, and that, I, I know you asked about impeachment. That, that leads me to, you know, the... First of all, Mike Pence, there was nothing he could do. It was parliamentary procedure. He had to abide by whatever the rules were. There was nothing to be done at that point. But, you know, Donald Trump being the, the, the lovely narcissist that he is, unfortunately, and wanted something to be done about And he just could not take no it. for an answer, and even though he had exhausted all legal avenues. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you guys read that story? How he, you know, whined and dined Pence the day before, and he was hoping he was going to gain ground on Pence, and then... Um, ultimately he could tell he wasn't, you know, getting anywhere with Pence. So then he said, he gave, he told Pence that he could be a patriot or he can be a, the other P word. And I'm like, that's just how, that's how juvenile and narcissistic and tunnel vision Donald Trump is. He doesn't understand. Yeah. He doesn't understand that Pence could not do anything. It was simply just a traditional congressional role as the president of the Senate. He oversees the certification of votes. It's just tradition. There was nothing that he could do. Yes, but Donald Trump just, he couldn't accept that because he just can't take no for an answer. Just like with all those lawsuits. I mean, judges that he himself appointed are just turning it down. No way, sir. You have no evidence whatsoever. Absolutely not. Like literally the New York Bar Association is trying to de- bar Rudy Giuliani. I mean, he has ruined these people's reputation. They are never going to work again in Washington, all because they were associated with him. He is just, I mean, he wreaked havoc on the Republican Party, and we saw that in Georgia with the Senate races. I mean, he has just literally just turned everything he has touched to literal sh- well, and listen, I, I believe that one of the functions of the president is to maintain our democracy. And I, I think back to the topic of impeachment, I think um, Newsom, who's a Republican, by the way, of Washington, said it best. You know, he's one of the ones that voted for impeachment, by the way. And he said, you know, the president takes an oath to protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And this was not the case. You know, I, I, I think that was very poignant because that's that's who our president is. His his chief concern is to protect our constitutional rights and our constitution. And that was not then, done. We didn't see it on January sixth. You can argue we haven't seen it. If for a anything, long time he became then. an enemy of those things by inciting violence. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He took the jar of beef and he shook the jar. They got swarming and buzzing and riled up. That's what happened in the rally. And then he opened the lid to the jar and he pointed them straight at the Capitol. And then he told him he loved them. Yeah, what he did. <laughs> yeah. And then a, a, a few hours later, after it was, it, there, there's reports that he was sitting in the Oval Office and he was watching the siege on TV. And, you know, his, his cabinet people, his, his aides, his administration, they were freaking out. And he was confused why they weren't more excited about what was happening at the Capitol. And they were telling him that he had to put out a statement. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they were they were evacuated and they were hiding in an undisclosed location. And they were putting out statements demanding that Trump call his people off. And he didn't then. And then Joe Biden, (laughs) Joe Biden went out and made a statement telling Trump to call these people off. And then he finally did with the half ass video where, you know, again, Madison, you mentioned this a few episodes from season one, his double speak, you know, saying, you know, stop the violence, but go home. Yeah. You're very special. We love you. You Really? These people are very special. You love them. Oh, you know, you're, you're only conducting a, an attempt to coup, uh, a siege on our capital. You're yes, very special. I love you. That is a rhetorical like, really? trope well, called paralipsis. And it can be understood like with the phrase, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Because it evol- it involves like affirming something and very mm-hmm. active denying it. And that's just one of the many things that he does to just right. encourage all of this. 
Well, and it's, it speaks to the, uh, the lack of leadership, really the lack of leadership that we, that we have from our president. There was no leadership that day. You know, I, I believe honestly that he intended for this to happen and, and he wanted this to happen. Otherwise he would have gotten on the airways immediately and said enough, this needs to stop. You need to go home peacefully. You need to stop this. It, it's very sad that all of these people are putting out statements before the president of the United States about what could only be termed as a coup d'etat, you know, about an assault, a literal assault on the government of the United States. And that there was no statement for, for a long time from him. It's very indicative of his leadership and I believe his culpability in this, in this whole situation. He didn't even want to deploy the National Guard Pence was the one who made that call because Pence was the one in danger. That leads me to my next topic. Of course, we know that he was impeached yesterday, but let me ask you guys this. Did you guys expect Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment? No, I didn't. I didn't think he had it in him, and I was right. You were right, because look what happened. Even after Trump shook up the jar of bees and pointed them at the Capitol, knowing that Pence and Everybody else in Congress, don't forget, he was upset with Pence because Pence put out a statement that morning, uh, that Wednesday morning before the session, saying that he was going to do his constitutional duty. That's what he's strictly there to do. Basically, he was telling Trump and his people that there was nothing he could do to, to, to somehow prevent what was bound to happen to happen. So Trump was already pissed off at Pence, and then he put out the tweet um, he was talking about Pence at the rally. So you would think if your boss <laughs> puts you in that type of position and, and then points his crazy brainwashed people at you, and, and not only that, but Pence's family was there that day too. But you don't have the courage to invoke the 25th Amendment. Now, I know there was a lot of different conversations about, well, is there time to enact the 20th? But all that had to have happened was Pence could have said he wants to invoke the 25th Amendment. And majority of Trump's cabinet would have had to have support right. that decision. And then Pence would have had would have been acting president and how it would have worked if not so late in the term. But then Donald Trump could have argued that and then it could have went to Congress. And then ultimately Trump would have held, would have been uh, handed power back. But there wasn't time for the arguments, which means that Pence would have been acting president up until Biden's inauguration next week. So Pence did not have the courage to do what was right for the country. But I do want everybody to know that he specifically did not publicly reject invoking the 25th Amendment until he had a conversation with Donald Trump earlier this week. Right. I believe it was, it was Tuesday that they spoke for the first time since the attack at the Capitol. And then he put out the statement early yesterday morning where he said that he would, he's rejecting Pelosi's demand to invoke the 25th Amendment because they didn't feel like that, that was best for the country. But he very strategically stayed silent on that up until he actually had a conversation with Trump. But still, he did not have the courage to do what was best for the country, even after his life, his family's life, his colleagues' life in the Senate, and also uh, in the other chamber, they were all put in danger by the Trumplicans. So that says something about Pence. So when he wants to run in 2024, I hope everybody remembers what kind of courage he had when dealing with the most dangerous president in history. And he enabled yeah, this president yeah, for a long time. And then at the hour, he failed to take action. And to, it was his last chance at redemption. And he failed that. Well, and I think situations like this really demand a decisive leadership role. And whoever is in leadership needs to be decisive. I wish he would have invoked the 25th Amendment. You know, who, who knows what factored into his decision to not invoke the amendment. But I think there should definitely be repercussions, especially for Trump. You know, and, and I want to highlight that, especially for Trump, because, I mean, the buck stops with him, technically. In my opinion, he has incited not only insurrection, but hatred throughout four years of, of, of his presidency. You know, he has divided the country. I, I remember uh, when he first got elected, I was, I, you know, I, I, I didn't vote for him, but once he was elected, I said, hopefully he will be a good president. Hopefully I'm wrong about these, you know, these thoughts that, that I have about him, you know, because you always want the best for the American people. 
for our country. You know, I think any any patriot, and I use that word, um, you know, very symbolically, because I don't think these people that attacked the Capitol were patriots at all, the furthest thing from that. You know, but any patriot and any American citizen would want the best for the country. And I think that's what has been missing in this administration from Trump, but also from his enablers, from the people who, you know, pay him lip service, from Pence himself. You know, I, I, I again, I think he should have invoked the 25th Amendment. Obviously, he's not doing it. You know, I hopefully, you know, the, the impeachment articles that were just sent to the Senate, hopefully they'll be able to get enough support in the Senate. Now, one of the, the big things that, you know, that has been weighing on my mind is, will he run in 2024? And impeachment does not guarantee that he won't run in 2024. But the senators have the power to vote and, and stop him from running ever again in, a, in an election or for public office. So hopefully that will get done. Um, I have high hopes that that will be done. I'm very cautious about it because I think even now we're seeing people that are are sort of backtracking, you know, the six happened and everybody spoke out against it. And now all of these senators and, and Congress people are, are sort of backtracking because they, they are focused on elections back home or, or, or whatnot, which I think shouldn't be the case. I think that you should, you know, have principles and stick to them. But unfortunately, that's not the system that, that we have currently. Unfortunately, that's, that's sort of gone out the window in the last the last four years for sure. But I think we've been seeing that sort of go out the window in the last decade, really. That's a good point. For everybody who is listening and, and you don't exactly know the process of impeachment, but how it works is we have two chambers of Congress and the chamber that actually writes the article or articles of impeachment is the House of Representatives. So that's exactly what happened earlier this week. They wrote the, the one single article. They voted on it yesterday. So officially, they voted to impeach him. So he is officially impeached a second time. So now what's to happen is they will send that article to the other chamber of Congress, which is the Senate. And the Senate is the chamber that actually votes on whether to convict him or acquit him. Uh, because I know a lot of people get that confused. I know that he was already impeached back in 2019, but because he wasn't convicted in the Senate, that's right. why he wasn't removed from office. Very similar back in the 90s when Bill Clinton was impeached in the House, and then when it went to the Senate, he was acquitted in the Senate. So that's why he was able to finish his term. That's right. why Trump wasn't removed in 2019. And uh, another argument I see a lot is, well, why are they going... Why are they even bothering with impeaching him? Because well, he's out in a week anyway. Well, let me let me say this: you you have to, to you have to do it because yeah, you can't set this precedent that presidents can commit impeachable offenses as long as their term is close to being uh, completed. That way, the Senate doesn't have time to conduct their trial while he's still in office. Because I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, because the goal of impeachment is not just about being removed from office, but it's about making a statement and standing up for democracy. When we elect our leaders, we have to hold them accountable. So if he is convicted in the Senate, then he can no longer run for public office. He has no more pension, not that he needs it anyway, because apparently he's so rich, but that's kind of debatable with his taxes. And then thirdly, he doesn't have his $1 million annual travel allowance either, which means that he can't fly around and do his book tours that I'm sure he's going to write a book after this. So this is the best and it is the right thing to do because yes, he's out in a week, but, but he still did this while he was in office. Just think about it. If Obama had done something, let's say the, the two days before his term was over, are you telling me that we shouldn't even bother to write up articles, vote on impeachment, and yeah. then send it to the House for trial? No. No, that's not how it works. We have to hold our president accountable for what he has done to yeah. our country and our democracy. Well, and I think you said it best when you said it is the right thing to do. We need to look past party. We need to look past partisanship. It is the right thing to do. He, he has time and again, you know, put our democracy in peril, in my opinion. And it is the right thing to do at this point. Besides your party, besides, you know, whatever loyalty you have, 
it's the right thing to do. And I think we saw that from 10 Republicans in the House where they had just had enough and they said enough is enough and they, they voted to impeach, you know? And I, and I think that hopefully that will, um, will cross over to the Senate. You know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but again, it is the right thing to do. There needs to be repercussions for a president or anybody else, mind you, that, that, does something like this. And, and I think that it does set precedent for, for other precedents that, you know, to come th- that if they see that they can get away with something like this, well, what else can happen? You know, and it's a slippery slope, unfortunately. Democracy is not a guarantee. Democracy only goes as far as the people in that democracy Absolutely. are willing to uphold it. I think we came very close to seeing what, what the, the wrong side of that can be this year. Um, you know, again, because I study history, I study the Roman Empire, you know, the Roman Empire lasted for a thousand years. In the face of that, we've been around for 200, I think it was like 270 years. You know, we, we haven't been here long enough. And this is, our democracy is one of the only experiments of its kind in world history, you know, and it is by the people. And I, I don't think that people realize that that we are only as strong as our electorate. We are only as strong as our elected officials. You know, technically we're a republic, but if those people are not willing to hold up our democracy, then our democracy will falter. And, and unfortunately, we, we saw it come very close to that on January 6th. And that's why I think every, you know, all of these countries who have oligarchs and you know, around the world were very happy to see that because they wanted to see us fail. So you're cautiously optimistic. Madison, how do you feel about the prospects of Trump actually being convicted this time in the Senate? I I guess I have to agree with Juan that I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I just really hope that these people do the right thing. I mean, if not for any reason other than the fact that he put them in danger. Yeah, that's a good argument. Um, and something else, I mean, just thinking politically, I don't know if I was a Republican senator and I was wanting to run for president in 2024 and I was given the option to actually convict Trump of this charge, meaning that he can't run in 2024. I mean, that, that seems to me kind of like a positive thing for my political career. So I can see where maybe it can be tempting for some of these senators, but then they're going to have a problem with, you know, it's it's a very good question for right now is, the Republican electorate, how much of them are Trump loyalists and how much of them are Republican Party loyalists? Because a lot of these Republicans, they are very afraid to lose the Trump loyalists of this party. So that's why you didn't see more representative uh, Republicans vote yes yesterday. Right. And I'm afraid that's why my gut's telling me that he again will not be convicted in the Senate. I hope I'm wrong. But Things are very much in flux right now. Uh, Liz Cheney from the House, that was the way that Lindsey Graham's going. Of course, we know Ted Cruz. I feel like they are not going to do the right thing. But another positive is that McConnell's office, it was leaked to the press yesterday, that he actually does believe that Trump committed impeachable offenses. But publicly, he has not confirmed whether he would vote yes. Um, I believe last update we have for McConnell is that he is going to await the arguments when it comes to the Senate and then he'll he'll make a decision then. Well, and I think that's the million dollar question, you know, whether the Republican Party will splinter from this if enough Republican senators vote to impeach. And I think it must be weighing very heavy on their minds that that this might happen eventually, because I, I feel like they've this monster was fed for four years and now it's getting ready to devour, you know, the, the people who fed it. And that's exactly what we've seen happen, you know, when were these, I guess you like to call them Trumpers. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, Trumplicans. Okay. So what we're seeing happen is these people are turning against the GOP, you know, and it's very sad because the, the more moderate wing of the GOP has no defense against this, you know, and I think two things will happen. Either the Republican party will become re, re Trumplicans, or it will splinter into I mean, two separate I just personally parties. hope in the Senate, like I said, if these people have no decency, if they have no respect for our democracy or the truth, none of that, if they can't, 
at least care about themselves enough to want to separate themselves from Trump and publicly condemn him for what he has done so that they may have some shred of respect once all of this is over. You know what I mean? Like, if they only do it for themselves and not the greater good of the country, I hope they they muster up the courage to do that. I mean, if they were all to unite and totally, totally rebuke and purge Trump from the party, then, I mean, really, even if the even majority of the Republican Party are now Republicans, I mean, really, who are they going to vote for? Are they going to write in Donald Trump or Ivanka Trump? Or Trump? <laughs> Hopefully not. I mean, I, I mean, mean, really, you know, I mean, it's a dog so world. Every the Republican himself, he is going down. They need to save themselves if if they even if they still do agree with him. Like, you know what I mean? Like deep down, like, dude, save yourself. Like, this is not going to end well. Look what he did to Georgia. Yeah, he's he's a poison pill. And, you know, they I I know it's risky. I know if you vote yes to convict, then the Republicans are going to be upset with you and they're going to be harassing you at the airport like they're doing Romney. But and and you potentially you you could lose a lot of voters, but you have to do the right thing. And if all Republicans in the Senate or at least most of them, I know Josh Halley and Ted Cruz are probably a, a long lost cause. But if you guys unite, and you together rebuke Trump. And I think that McConnell, I think McConnell purposely let that story leak to the press because he wanted his right. his colleagues under him in the Senate. They wanted them to get word of it. And that way they could actually start considering potentially voting to convict. So right. I think that it still is very much in flux. And I, would, I wouldn't quite say it's 50-50. And I think, unfortunately, as of now, it's leaning that he may not actually be convicted but i really think that there's a better chance this time than the last impeachment so i really have my fingers crossed that me too senate republicans do the right thing this time all right guys well let's call it a wrap here juan thank you so much for joining us uh for the first time thank you for having me yeah i enjoyed it we will be back next week we know that uh, biden's inauguration is wednesday so you guys do anything special that day? <laughs> I'm having champagne. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Madison. From my house. I start school back on Tuesday, so but I don't have class on Wednesday. So I'll be I'll be watching. Awesome. Yep. I, I took off of work that day too. Yeah, I'm hoping it's gonna be a happy, joyous, patriotic day. The dawn we're, we're of starting a new, a new chapter. Day. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much, Madison. Bye, Have a good night.